Now I want to look today with a, a thought, almost home, or homeward bound, or something of that nature. How many today is almost home? Now, I know, Wayne, you're a long way from your home. Most of us could walk home if we had to, right? But the home that we're wanting to look at today is different than that. Yes, straight up. So uh, years ago, I saw, Judy and I saw this, uh, I guess it's a Disney movie, Homeward Bound. Anybody ever seen that, Cat and the Dog? I mean, they, they struggled. They went through every hardship you could think of trying to get home, and they finally made it home. Every, you sitting there wanting them to be able to catch this ride or get that to make it home. Uh, you know, if you've ever read the book, Pilgrim's Progress, old Pilgrim's got this load on his back, and he's trying his best to get to that celestial city where he will be relieved of that burden. And so that's the way of you all today. Most of us are maybe under some kind of burden, and we're on our way home. We're homeward bound. We're, many of us are almost home. Just shock some of you. I was uh, kind of amazed this morning. It gave me a wake-up call. I was reading uh, about us old people, and it said that the life expectancy had fallen in the, la in the year of 2020. It fell from uh, 78 point, like four, to 77.8 life expectancy. Now I got, that kind of woke me up a little bit. You know, I pray I live longer than that. And so, uh, but here was a man that was about 75 years old when God called him to go out and do something. How many of you today knows that God uses people when they're 75? He called Moses when he was 80. At 85, Caleb said, give me my mountain. And so there's no age limit with God, is there? None at all. And so in verse number 9, if you would read with me today, it says, uh, by faith Abraham, when he was called, to go out into a place which he should after do what? Receive. Okay. Huh? I'm reading verse number eight. Okay. All righty. Sorry about that. You don't have nine yet. Which a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he went. That's the way travel, isn't it? Just wherever, like the guy in London used to thumb hitchhiking. He, he'd hitchhike both ways. It didn't matter with him. Verse number nine, now you can read with me. By faith he sojourned in the land of what? Promise, as in a strange country. Dwelling where? In tabernacles. That was tents. With uh, Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a what? City which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she done what? Who had promise. Therefore spring uh, there even 
of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky, multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. Isn't that amazing? That's a lot of descendants, isn't it? Yes. And so uh, he went on and said, These all, done what? Died in faith, not having received the promise, but having received them afar off, they were and were persuaded of them and done what? Embraced them and done what? Confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things do what? Yes, in verse 15, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they uh, came out, they might have had what? An opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a what? Better country that is, and what kind? Heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath done what? My, didn't you remember that song? Look for a city where we'll never die. And says, uh, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac, and that he had received uh, the promise, uh, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be what? Read verse 19 together. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he had received him in a figure. Let's pray. Father in heaven today, we're so thankful of your mighty word. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, for your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior and our God. And today open your word with a divine revelation to each one here today and those that would be watching or listening. And we give you the praise and glory because we ask it in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Smile, wave at somebody. Let them know you love them today. Almost home. See, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, a little over now, a few months over a couple of years ago, I kind of got wondering at one place, is this it? Am I going home? Is this uh, curtains? Especially after a, a major surgery like I had, and then you ended up getting staff in that, in that uh, womb from one side to the other and have to go back in for surgery again. And uh, you get thinking, uh, is this going to be curtains? Am I going home to be with Jesus? And so uh, anybody ever uh, thought that in your life? No, you all never Nah, you never had that. But, uh, you know, the closer home we get, we've never been to heaven before, have we? I remember the first time I went to Florida. Anybody ever been to Florida? Oh, I grew up thinking, man, that's going to be heaven. We studied school about a Shangri-La. Man, I thought we were going, uh, going to heaven when we got to Florida. I didn't realize that uh, unless they develop it, it's swamps and, and uh, grass and uh, everything you can think of. It, it isn't a pretty state at all unless they've got it developed, right? And so, man, I was so excited. And then when we got there, I was kind of disappointed, very disappointed. Especially in southern Georgia when I hit into all those love bugs. 
They call them love bugs, but man, they started plastering the front of our vehicle. Anybody ever encountered those? You just can't hardly get them off. I mean, all that bug protein all over you. Daniel Webster said about home, he's, he calls home a place of origin or retreat uh, to one that's from a far distance or something. They're coming home. Well, you know, I can tell you that it takes more than a house to make a home. I, I do. Uh, all, all alone, I'll answer Judy. I can hear her calling for me, and I answer her. My. And so it, without my little Judy, without the love of family in that house, it'd just be a house, right? My. And so uh, we're heading home. Christians call home where Jesus is. They do. Because Jesus had told us in John 14, in my Father's house are what? Many mansions. We were talking about coming over here today. I told Judy I was about to sing that song, uh, uh, I, you know, just a cabin below and all that. And she said, I don't want just a cabin below. I said, well, if you're Donald Trump or some of these big uh, New York governor or something other, uh, where we live wouldn't even be a, make them a good cabin. But I will tell you, they can't be as happy as Judy and I are in ours, right? Almost. And if we're happy here, and happy today, think how happy we're going to be when we get over yonder. You know, there was a song, what will it be when we get over yonder? My, I don't, I don't have any idea how wonderful it's going to be. But in Hebrews here, they never settled down. They were almost home and they knew it and they never settled down. See, Abraham was 75 years old when God called him out from his father's house. And Abraham was called out from a very wealthy place. Uh, you know, not too many people go from riches to rags. They usually go the other way around. And so Abraham, he lived in a, a nice uh, industrial area, a trade center. And they'd even perfected air conditioning where they had uh, 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 blinds on their windows that they could uh, turn out shutters. And they could turn them and catch that Mediterranean breeze and cool their house down. Man, they had it nice according to their standards. And God called them to go out. He got his old tent together, uh, probably made out of animal skins or whatever, maybe out of linen, but wh anyway, whatever's made out of, and he took his beautiful little Sarah, and they headed out. And at that time, he was named Abram, and she was named Sarai, and they headed out. But they were looking for a country. They were looking for a city. They didn't have a child yet, but God told him, you're going to be why the sand of the seashore can't number how many children you're going to have descendants. Uh, the stars in the sky can't even number that. Now, how many of you all like God promise you that? If he did, your wife probably leave you. She said, man, I'm not going to stay around for that many kids. No, not at all. I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. And uh, uh, when uh, I was a young boy and Carson Moore had a store down here, Dad uh, went in there one day and I was with him and somebody hadn't seen Dad in a while and they said, uh, uh, Dave, what are you doing now? I said, he's supposed to be a farmer, but all he's raising his children, our kids, I said. <laughs> Dad didn't appreciate that. But in verse number 10 says, He looked for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. 
I'm going to tell you what Abraham was looking for. He saw it by faith. He was looking for Calvary. If you want to look at foundations, that foundation of Calvary started on that old rugged cross. And he built a foundation that man could have a relationship with God. The cross reaches out and brings both together. Jews and Gentiles together so making one. But that foundation was he had a, a vertical relationship with God the Father. And in Christ we do also. And our home is where he is. He said, now I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'll send another comforter. But in, in the meantime, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Do you ever have somebody come into your house and you just kind of try to prepare everything nice? Anybody ever done that? You ever stayed in a motel where they had uh, little chocolates on your pillows and had your glass, drinking glasses covered with a, a paper cover and, and uh, had all these uh, uh, amenities uh, there for you extra? Anybody ever do that? Had your towels rolled real neatly and stowed for you? My, and so you, can you imagine what Jesus has waiting for those that step over yonder? My, it, uh, no wonder they wrote that song. What will it be when we get over yonder? I can't imagine how wonderful it is. We've had a lot of family members, most of us have, that's done gone on to be with Jesus. And uh, we're looking forward to that, aren't we? My, getting to be with our loved ones, but most of all, getting to be with Jesus. Now, I tell you, I, in Judy and I's young days, we tent camped quite a bit. Sleeping on an air mattress. They didn't have an air mattress in those days. I never had one until just a few years ago that wouldn't go down overnight. I'd always wake up on the hard ground the next morning. But I don't like sleeping in tents. I don't care about how you like it, but I don't. But in the Old Testament church, when uh, the children of Israel, Abraham's descendants came out of Egypt, and they went through the wilderness. God lead them every day. He would lead them with a pillar of smoke. At night, he had the first nightlight. When it got dark, his uh, spirit would be a pillar of fire over the camp. Isn't God good? And we sing that song, God leads his dear children alone. Where was he leading them? He's leading them to the promised land. We today, children, are just like them. God's leading us to the promised land. Uh, uh, Romans uh, says uh, 8.14, His minions are led by the Spirit of God. They're the sons of God. How many today God's leading you? That's the reason you're here today. God's Spirit led you into this uh, service. Isn't God good? And so the church in that day was mobile. They didn't know where they were going. We're mobile today as Christians. We, we have a pretty good idea where we're going. We know that when we get there, Jesus will be there. And our eyes will look upon the one who saved us by his grace. And then uh, the Bible says that the Jews will look at him and say, Where did you get those uh, scars in your hands, uh, scars on your forehead or on your back? I got them in the house of my friends. And so today I'm going to tell you, Jesus is going to be there. They didn't know where they were going, but the Spirit knew where to lead them to. We may not know today where we're going. But uh, the Spirit of God knows where He's leading us to. They look for a city. My, has anybody ever seen a big city? I, I've, uh, I hate driving through Atlanta, Georgia, don't you? Oh, I hate it. Judy and I was, were up in Canada, 
and we came back and we were uh, coming through Ontario, Canada. What a big city. Six lanes of traffic and each two lanes had a concrete barrier you could get in. If you're going all the way through, get in the left two of those concrete barriers and it's just two vehicle lanes down through there because I knew I was going through because, uh, uh, you know, biggest city is it is, New York City. We got to New York. Anybody ever driven in New York? Not me. I've driven around the outskirts and over to the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty and stuff like that. But we were going to stay. Judy had already made arrangements for us to stay in a big motel right there at the Holland Tunnel before you go through. And uh, we got out driving around that night, got back to that Holland Tunnel, and I was in the right lane. I needed to be in the left one, uh, men, to turn left. Anybody ever done that? They wouldn't let me over. Traffic bumper to bumper. They were blowing their horns, wouldn't let me over. You know what I done when I got to the intersection? Tell them, Roger. Steve would know. I bowed up and stopped. Boy, that could... My little policeman over there uh, yelling at me, I was going to have to go. And I put the window down and I said, I'm staying in that motel right there and I'm not about to go through that tunnel. <laughs> Jeff, you, uh, some of them knows what he done, but I thought he was going to arrest me. So he, he said, uh, pull off to the side, go up that grass up that hill. And he had a wrecker up there, let the fence down. And so I went around and came back through. And, man, I just knew he was going to lay the, lay the cuffs on me, Steve. <laughs> we got into the motel parking lot, park, got out, went in. He's still standing there watching us. I bet he made sure that I didn't come back out and get in that vehicle and take off, you know. And so uh, let's don't miss heaven. If you're in the wrong lane today, I'm telling you, there's a right lane to get in, and that is go to the cross and then turn right and go straight if you're going to make it to heaven. And so uh, they probably never seen a hillbilly get in New York City before, but my, my, my. And so today we're on our way to heaven. How many, we've never been there, have we? How many knows that you're going to make it? You're going to make it. There's something down inside of God's people that draws them. The drawing of the Spirit draws them. Do you feel that drawing today? I mean, He's drawing His children to Him. And so, uh, some years ago when I pastored at Barberville, uh, Melvin Jones and Willie Ray and his brother Todd from Ohio, we were going to go fishing. Melvin said, let's stop at Cracker Barrel at Corbin and I'm buying breakfast. I was all in for that. Somebody buying breakfast we got out there and they were they were some uh, a bunch of vehicles and they were putting their lids up and they had coops in there and they were filled with pigeons all of them started opening their pigeon cages and those pigeons were coming out and they'd circle around and all of a sudden they would head straight north got talking one of those guys he said he was from michigan so they uh, had a pigeon club, and they take them all over the United States, turn them loose, and those homing pigeons will make it all the way back to their coop. And somebody in Michigan, when they get back to their coop, will call them and say, Hey, your pigeons are here. But they got an enemy. They got hawks out there 
or eagles if they ran into them, but hawks a lot of times they'll try to pick them off and fly. We today, we're, we're hone, honing in on heaven. How many knows that? There's some, we've got our bearings. we got uh, the cross before us and the world behind us, the old song says. And David said in Psalm 16, I've set the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. What he was saying was, I'm on my homeward way home, and nothing's going to uh, uh, deter me from from that, and so if the hawk didn't get them, they and we are uh, uh, bombarded on every side by some kind of a something trying to turn us aside, aren't we? Every per- person I read some years ago should have three homes. Every person have three homes. It's hard enough to pay for one, isn't it? What kind of homes do you have? A domestic home. I like that, don't you? I'm a pretty domesticated guy myself. Then they should have a church home. I love having a church home, don't you? If the devil can get you to wander from one church to another, he's pretty well got you. For the first thing you know, you're out. Because he's had your roots pulled up. And then they should have an eternal home. How many's heading to that eternal home? My, have you ever thought, what's it going to look like when I get there? It doesn't matter to me what it looks like, just so Jesus is there, right? Glory to God. That old song says, He'll take me by the hand and lead me through that promised land. Hallelujah. I don't think He'll take me by the hand, but if He does, that's fine. But just so Jesus is there. John in Revelation, everybody ought to read Revelation. He saw that throne in heaven. He saw that rainbow around it. He saw the glory of God. He saw how wonderful heaven looked like. While Paul was caught up into the third heaven and saw things that there were no words that he could describe it with. But oh, he was homesick from that day forward. He would say, I'm in a strait betwixt two, whether they departed me with Christ, which is far better, he said, but for you all, it's better I stay here here 1971 Joyce we lived where you and Daryl lived Judy and I went on the credit bought ourselves a new car a new 71 LTD Ford we decided we would go to Canada on vacation brand new car still under warranty you could do that I got myself some traveler's checks and had them in my pocket I forgot just a few hundred dollars all we could afford. And uh, we got up to London up there, and they wanted to use the restroom before we hit the interstate. Now I got checking. I didn't have my traveler's checks. Anybody ever been there and done that? I have to think, last thing I did was helping uh, James look for his shoes, and I'd been down in the living room looking under the couch. So I drove all the way back from London over here, and sure enough, right there they laid where I'd been over. But we got into uh, uh, Canada and uh, visited around and ended up over Niagara Falls in Canada some days later. We got up from Niagara Falls, Canada. Boy, that's a place to take your wife. My, it's an experience. Some of you all have been there, haven't you, Joan? Yes, it's an experience. 
the ground's thundering and mist falling everywhere and millions of gallons of water pouring over that big falls and one fellow uh, uh, was praying for the Holy Ghost. He'd been up there and seen the Niagara Falls and he kept hollering his prayer, give it to me just like this, Lord, just like that, give it to me. And finally they found out what it was. He wanted, he wanted that outpouring just like the Niagara Falls. And I, as far as I know, God gave it to him. But uh, we got up one morning in Niagara Falls, Canada, on the Canadian side. I was going to head home. I had it mapped out and planned I was going to stop around Columbus, Ohio for the night. We got to Columbus, Ohio, and we uh, had eaten several times that day and been on the road a long time. And Judy's mother and her sister and uh, brother lived in Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, you know, I said, well, it's just a few miles on down the road to Hamilton. Let's just stop and stay the night with Minnie. We got down to uh, uh, pretty close to Cincinnati, and I thought, well, it's just a few more hours home to Jackson County. I want you to know that was a bad move. But I was homeward bound. I, I got to want to go home. If I'm out on a long trip and you turn me toward home, I'm about like old Joe, the mule that we had over uh, where Tony lives up there. And Dad was on Tobe and they went out of the barn and I was on Joe. And Joe was stronger than me. I was about eight, maybe nine. And he went right back in his stall. He wanted to stay at home that day and drug me off. And there I laid in the stall looking straight up at Big Joe looking down at me. A mule is an uh, uh, intimidating looking thing to a little nine-year-old laying there. But uh, here we drove and I decided I'd drive back. Down I-75, I slapping myself. I was getting a wet washcloth and washing my face. Had the window down, hang my head out the window. How stupid of me. But I'm just a young guy. I'm a young 20s. I do, young guy in their 20s do stupid things, don't they? Why, Eddie, I was driving. I just knew I could make it home. I barely stayed awake to make it home. We got home. Instead of unpacking, I went straight in the house and got in the bed. I was thankful to be able to get there alive. And so today, uh, children, are we on our way home? Heaven is before us and the world behind us. We aren't going to let anything deter us. we got to make it home. We're homeward bound. How many today you're homeward bound? Oh, how many of you know, uh, know where your home is, your future home, that third home, that eternal home? Hallelujah. Because Jesus is there and He's bidding. See, he's bidding his children. When Stephen was stoned to death, he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Jesus had stood up welcoming him home. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, yes. They never look back. It's dangerous sometimes to look back, isn't it? Well, I was growing up on the farm, used plowing with a with the mules or whatever, especially if you had a turning plow or if you had a restless plow plowing your crop. You didn't dare look back because if you did, you may plow up a row or two or several hills or whatever. And so they never looked back. They were persuaded to them. They saw them afar off, verse 13 said. And they were persuaded of them. And so a faith empowers believers to move ahead right how many of you got that faith that you're going to make it all the way home to move ahead no matter the circumstances no matter the impossibilities you're going to move ahead in jesus we're homeward bound i don't want to be like lot's wife jesus 
warned us about that. I preached at Gray a Pentecostal church one night, and I was just gotten there and walked up, standing outside, and a good old time evangelist uh, I walked up, and uh, and uh, he they was two or three preachers I was talking to, young guys, and and uh, he said to one of them, he said, "I can tell you what's on your mind, young man. That young man, what?" He said, you got another man's wife on your mind. No, I don't. He said, I promise you I don't. He said, well, you're disobeying what Jesus said. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. And C.L. O'Bannon pulled a good one on him there. Remember Lot's wife. What did Lot's wife do? She looked back. And what happened to her? Turned a pillar of salt. My, so let's don't look back. If you have a Bible and you want to look in Ruth, chapter 1, verse 19, 20, and 21. If you get to Judges, just go one more book and you'll be there. And so it's way over in your Old Testament, near the front there of your New Testament. Ruth, chapter 1, verse number 19. Oh, it's on the screen. Thank you, Garrett. He's got it up there. This is Naomi coming out of Moab, coming back with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Arpha has already kissed her, weeping and crying, and kissed her mother-in-law and went back to her own people. What happened? Lay your little groundwork while you're turning there. Naomi and her husband, a famine came in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, and a famine. And so they fled to Moab, which is a fertile place where uh, things grow. I mean, it was fertile. And they went down there and stayed about 10 years. The husband died. They were trying to preserve their life. The husband died. Then their two married sons died. My. So she was left with two daughters-in-law, Orpha and Ruth. Orpha turned back. So in verse 19, her and Ruth, so they went, they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were coming to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And uh, she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. But call me Mara. Call me the bitter one. Says, you know, For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out, what? In verse 21, full. And the Lord hath brought me home again. How? Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing that the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty, she's given God, now she recognized He is the Almighty, hath afflicted me. You know, if Naomi could have seen afar off, she didn't know what God had done. She was bringing back with her the grandmother of King David. She was bringing back the seed that would uh, produce down the, if you read in uh, Matthew chapter 1, somewhere around verse 14, you'll find out that uh, this was the uh, lineage that Jesus Christ came from. How that uh, uh, Boaz took Ruth as his wife, a virtuous woman, uh, uh, you know, and uh, took her as, uh, as his wife. They had a child, Obadiah, I think it was. They had a child then, David. He became a king. Later on, David had a son named Solomon. He became a king. 
But you know what Jesus said in his preaching? He said, a greater than Solomon is here. Hallelujah. And I want you to know today that a greater than Solomon is here. Hallelujah. Because we have a home. We're looking for a, a great home. Judy grew up in the Masonic home in Louisville. She had a rich life growing up. Walking on marble and had everything in the world. Thank God she did. When we got married, I brought her nothing. <laughs> she had plenty of clothes. She had a savings account. She had everything. And I told her the only thing I got is this car and I owe the Jackson County Bank for it. And I had a chihuahua and somebody, I guess, stopped and picked it up or something. Other. My. But I, I wanted to offer her a home, a family. And so we made an early decision. We would not fuss and fight because I told her if that was what was going to happen, I'd join the army where they'd pay me for it. And so we've tried to keep that. But she, was, she grew up down there. And our close friends of Judy, the uh, Bolin family, from up here, I think it's Pikeville, somewhere up there. Their parents owned a big dealership. They had, the parents had been somewhere on, uh, in their uh, private plane. When they came back in, they circled over the house, tipping their wings and waving at the kids down there, and the kids were waving. They were small children. They went on over the hill, and as they went over the hill, all of a sudden, their children witnessed a mighty explosion. That plane crashed, killed mom and dad. And the and the kids, I don't, three or four, about four or something, ended up in the Masonic home because their dad was a, belonged to the Masons. I want to tell you, you never know what lies just over the next hill. But as Christians today, we know that just over the next hill, maybe we'll be home. How many knows that? Maybe, just maybe around the next curve, we'll be there. Won't that be wonderful? It really will. I read about a little boy uh, named Danny. Not a Danny you all know. <laughs> that lived in a trailer. One day someone asked him, says, Don't you wish you had a real home? Danny's reply was wise beyond his years because he said, We have a real home. We just don't have a house to put it in. Isn't that wise? And so today... Uh, they never turn back. I've got to quit. I can't hold you up here an hour. I'm about halfway through and, and all that, and I, I've, I've got to let you go. But Naoma coming back. My. She came back. Uh, she had left Bethlehem, Jerusalem. Bethlehem means a house of bread. Went into a land where she thought that they could survive. But when she came back, she came back bringing the ancestor of the bread of life himself. You know what Jesus said? He wasn't just the bread. He was the bread of life. Aren't you glad? Abraham went out in a place that he visited a lot was Bethel, the house of God. Jacob, he came through as a young man, a fleeing from his brother that he cheated out of the birthright, and he met God at Bethel. 
Abraham, if you'll notice his journeys, always came to Bethel, the house of God. But today we've come to El Bethel, the God of the house of God. Hallelujah. And don't you feel him in your soul today drawing you? Hallelujah. I read the other day, and I don't know how true it is, the North Pole is moving a little bit all the time, gradually moving. The North Pole pulls your compass, you know, pulls your compass. Heaven will never move. There's something about heaven that pulls us. It's, it draws you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It just draws you, draws you to the Lord. And so they never, they never uh, turned back. They never lost sight of heaven because they were homeward bound. Paul, at the end of his life, I want to be like Paul. He said, I've fought a good fight. I finished my course. My fought a good fight, he said. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. How many days want to keep the faith? So many people's turning their faith loose. America today is in need of a great awakening. We have today so many trying to lead and guide and make rules and laws for you and I to live by that have no faith in God whatsoever. When the, when the ungodly rule, the people of God suffer. But I want to witness one thing to them. That Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has gone before us and has drawn us unto Himself. That He said, where I am, there you may be also. God is so wonderful. In my father's house. In my father's house. In my father's house are many mansions. My, wouldn't you like to see what a mansion God's got prepared for you? I want to tell you, there's a little glimpse of it in Revelation. No more separation. No more dying. No more tears. No more parting over there, that song says. My, isn't God good? We've said goodbye to too many in, uh, in this life. This morning, I want to share something with you. It's called the bridge builder. I read where that in Bella, Bella's Falls, Vermont, and Billis Bridge in New Hampshire, they have a plaque with this written on it. It's called the bridge builder. An old man going along, uh, going a long highway, came at even tide, cold and gray, to a chasm vast, deep and wide, through which flows a swollen tide. Old man said, "A fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength building here." You never again will pass this way. Says your journey will end with the ending day. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you this bridge at eventide? The builder lifted his old gray head and you know what he said? He said the old man crossed in twilight dim, the swollen stream had no fear for him. But he turned when he went safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. He said, good friend, 
in the path I've come, he said. They're following after me today. And you men could grasp this. They're following behind me today. A youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been naught to me to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building this bridge for him. How many of you today are living for Jesus? You're on your homeward uh, bound. Oh, you're going to make it. You know you are. But you got children. You got grandchildren. You want to you want to build a bridge that they too can cross. Stand with me, would you please? We're homeward bound. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, man goeth to his long home, and mourners go about the streets. My. I may not, I may not fleshly know it when I leave this world, but spiritually will know it because Paul said to depart and be with Christ. Yeah, depart from this life or from this body. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we love you today and we praise you. We come, Lord, before your mighty throne. Yes, we're homeward bound. But Father, we thank you so much that Jesus has already went ahead. And where he leads, we will follow. Oh God. And today, if there's an unsaved here, watching, or listen later, would you grip their hearts and let them know that they need to be homesick for heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come this morning. Priscilla's going to lead us in the song. It's in your book, Softly and Tenderly. I always wanted to be saved like my mother. I did. Softly and tenderly, her life led me on the path that I am now.